first step. I usually put my eyes on worship, and I usually just start to worship, and I'm talking to my friends and family, and I was like, I'm going to my hair off. And like Michael Jackson, y'all don't remember that back in the 80s. Michael Jackson got his hair off. Anyway, if you have your Bibles, isn't it great that we got this couple more days till Christmas? I know all the parents in the room just went, ah, because nobody really feels like they're prepared for Christmas, especially if you're a parent and you have kids. You're always last minute shopping, like this afternoon, probably some of you guys are rushing to the mall. So I suggest if you've already done your shopping, please stay off the road and not go to the mall. But we're going to be uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter two, uh, chapter two, verses five through eleven. It's in your notes, and we're going to talk this morning. The sermon title is Christmas theology. I think sometimes uh, everybody here has some form of a theology when it comes to Christmas. I think, to be honest with you, you know and I know that Jesus wasn't born on this day. Of the December 25th. You know, if you, if you go out and find out what season, what year, what time Jesus was born, and you can figure that out. But the main thing is the celebration for what we call Christmas is Christ who came to this world in a form of one of us to pay a penalty on the cross to get us back to be reconciled to the Father. That's the real reason. For Christmas. So for some reason, I think people have a hard time really understanding that theology because it really still doesn't make sense that God himself, and we'll get into the scripture, would come in a human form to reconcile man back to him. And so even that doesn't really make any sense. And so you try to rationalize it. It just doesn't make sense. And so the world decided to try to figure out how we could relate and understand a theology of Christian of Christmas so that the Christians have their theology. How does the world look at Christmas? And the theology of Christmas. Listen, so the world came up with this thing, and hopefully there's not a lot of kids in the room. <laughs> because we're going to talk about Santa Claus just for a moment. <laughs> Actually, when I worked see, uh, through school and stuff, becoming a, a pastor, I was doing some side work, and so I used to work for a company called Lord George. You ever heard that? My mom. Lord George Chimney Sweep. So I worked as a chimney sweep. If you've never had any chimney sweeps in the house, whoop, whoop. <laughs> chimney sweep is a rough job. I'm telling you, I had this big truck that had a vacuum, and it was called the Big Wing. It was this huge bag truck, and it had this big 12-inch hose that I would pull out of the bag, and it was called Big Wendy. That was the name of the truck. And then I worked for Lord George, and so Lord George Chimney Sweep, actually the owner was called George. And so I came to work, he goes, this is Big Wendy, this is the truck you're going to be going. you got to climb up, he explained, he put a ladder on the side of the roof. We got up on a roof, and he showed me, this is how you do a chimney, a chimney sweep. I remember watching, you remember like, uh, what was it, where the chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chimney. You remember you see them all happy, and they're dancing on the roof. Don't you remember the movie and stuff, Mary Poppins, and like, woo. I'm like, this is going to be a great job. You know, this is going to be good money, because it was good money, and I was like, this is going to be cool. And see, I'm always one of those people that like to live on the edge. And so he's like, here's your top hat and some tails. So I wore a regular uniform with a top hat and tails. So I'd get out of Big Wendy and I'd get up on those roofs 
And I would have these poles that you put together. You link all these poles together and you have this big metal brush on the end. And you put it down the chimney. And as you keep going all the way down the chimney, you keep adding all these poles. And you start going like this and pulling up all the soot. You should be, I mean, you talk about a dirty job. You think you had it rough? Be a chimney sweep. Soot goes everywhere. They actually tell you when you first start working, you're going to start get duct tape and tape the ends of your ends of your pants legs and the end of your sleeves. The reason why is because soot goes everywhere. And so when I'd go home and take my clothes off, I'd look in the mirror and I was like, do I got a pair of lawn, black lawn johns on? Because I would be black from top to bottom because that soot would go on in my clothes. I'd breathe soot. I would cough soot. I'd blow soot. I'm telling you, soot was everywhere. And I remember getting up there and I had a blast, had my top hat, my tails, and the kids would be enamored. The kids would be so enamored, they would just come out and watch me, and I'd have to climb some pretty big houses. You know, not, you know it costs a good, like 150 bucks to be a chimney sweep. When you have somebody come clean your chimney, it's $150. So split-level houses, usually when you see like a one-story house, you're like, nah, that's not the people who afford chimney sweep. It's usually the two-story houses. Or the three-story houses. And when you get up there and it's cold and it's windy and big windy's down there going, <laughs> and you're up there doing your chimney sweep thing with your top hat and stuff, it's not as fun as you think it is. But the kids are enamored. And so they're standing there just watching you as you're chimney sweeping. And so you come down the ladder and the kids go, guess what, kids are, kids are just, un- did you see anything up there? I like see anything up there. Is there anything in the chimney? I said, well, sometimes you find dead squirrels. Sometimes I found tons of things. I found bees' nests, like ah! you're running off the edge of the roof. Bees are all because of of bees and dead squirrels. I've actually even found money in a can, a coffee can, on the back side of a shelf. You know what a shelf is in a fireplace? Because you get up there and rake off the shelf. And a couple of times I'd hit and hit like a can, and I'm like, what is this? And I open it up, and there were ancient coins in there to be able to give a homeowner and say look what I found this has got wheat pennies and stuff and they're like it must have been from the owner of the last owner of the house that means the chimney hadn't been swept in years like it's a fire hazard but the kids would be enamored and I'd come down and if I was a good chimney sweep just like you that might work in the service industry if you uber and do a good job or if you wait tables today and you do a good job you get a what a tip a lot of times tips are blessings are they not and so I would come down, and the kids would be like, did you see anything up there? Uh, no. Some of them you wouldn't tell dead squirrels, because they'd be like, oh, dead squirrels. So you'd be really gentle at what you would tell them. And, and one day I was like, they were like, did you see anything up there? I was like, you won't believe this. And I pulled out this little red piece of fabric. See, now they gave me, they gave me rags. Now they gave me rags to wipe off the soot. But little did you know, if you've been a mechanic, they sell mechanic rags. And mechanic rags are red. And, and you're like, yeah, somebody's like, yeah, I'm a red mechanic rag. Woo, woo, woo. But if you're sweating and you wipe your face with a red mechanic red, with a red mechanic rag, your face is going to turn red. So you got this sweaty, you know, sooty, 
red-faced all the time from sweating. So this guy would buy these rags and we would use them over and over and over. And eventually they would get rotten and be falling apart. And so I would be like, I found a piece of red fabric up there. And I had pulled off a little piece of red of that rag and put it in my pocket. And they were like, what is the red rag? Let me see what the red cloth is. They didn't know it was a rag. And I was like, look, a piece of Santa Claus's pants. And they're like, Santa Claus's pants! And they're like, Santa, Santa! They thought they Santa is real, Santa is real. And they'd go tell their mom, look, he found a piece of Santa Claus's pants. Probably to this day, there's some some kid going, Look, I got a piece of Santa Claus's pants. <laughs> but it's so funny that those people could believe and kids could believe in Santa Claus. And isn't it weird that a lot of times Christmas is celebrated and we think that Santa Claus has some connection to Christmas when he actually has nothing to do with Christmas. Well, I've looked and Googled about Christmas and I knew that St. Nick, he was a saint. He gave gifts. It has nothing to do with what? Christmas. Have you ever heard this? Listen, listen how jacked up this is. We even sing this. The other day we were in the uh, in, uh, um, kitchen and I started singing this song because it was on the little, you know, we have those little things that you say, hey, Alexa, play Christmas music. And it's like, playing Christmas music. And so it's playing, I think it was Michael Blue He has this song, which is, you've probably heard this, you better watch out. You've heard this song. You better watch out. You better not cry. Now think how crazy this is. This is all still on human reasoning. You better watch out. You better watch out. Because this is about Christmas. You better watch out. This is the message of the world that they would say that this is a reason for Christmas. You better watch out. You better not cry. I'm telling all you guys, you better not cry. You better not be a sniveling little, but you don't know how hard it is. It doesn't matter. You better watch out. You better not cry because who's coming to town? Santa Claus is coming to town. Listen to this. You better not cry. You better not pout because I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He is making a list. Can you imagine? But don't you think that in some ways? Well, God is watching. And he's always keeping records. He's going to judge you on the good and also on the bad. This is theologically sound. That God is watching you and he's making a list. Because Santa Claus makes a list. He's watching you. He's making a list. Listen, he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Because if you're not nice, guess what? You get called. And you fear when you were a kid. You really believed in Santa Claus. You're like, the worst thing is you've got coal. Now some people are like, coal's awesome. We can burn it. says, you're going to find out who's naughty or nice because Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. Isn't that creepy? <laughs> Somebody seeing me when they're sleeping. You ever have somebody? Like my kids, I'd be dead asleep. But I'm like, I'm like a ninja when it comes to sleeping. If I hear one thing, I'm like. But at the same time, I wear glasses. All my glass people in the house. You ever lost your glasses and you're telling everybody, help me find my glasses. You're like this looking all over for your glasses. And I remember my kids would come in and Lindsay would come in. She's our youngest and she was like the thinnest. And so she looked in, when I took my glasses off, it looked like a skinny alien. (laughs) And I'd be dead asleep and I would hear my name going, Daddy. 
And as soon as I, uh, I'd open my eyes and I was ready to fight somebody. Because she'd been sitting there watching and trying to be quiet. Watching me as I sleep. If you have a husband and wife and, or wife and you open up your eyes and they're watching you while you're sleeping. You're going to be like, this is creepy. But then we're saying that this is the real Christmas. This is what it's about. That Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not pout. You better not cry. Because I'm going to tell you why. He's coming. And he's going to make a list. And he's checking it twice. And he knows who today at Access Church has been naughty or nice. He's coming back. He's coming back, and if you're not doing good, guess what? You're going to get coal, and the ones who do good are going to go with him. And hey, he's watching you while you're sleeping. He knows, listen, he knows when you're awake. Isn't that creepy? Listen to that. That's what people believe. You think it's kind of comical, but at the same time, you can see and understand the human reasoning. And he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so you better be good for goodness sake. We've all heard this. Can you imagine, to be honest and be truthful with you, that is not the gospel. That has nothing, sorry to crush Santa Claus for you, that has nothing to do with even understanding the heart of God. Do you know in those principles there is not the heart of God? And you could be like, well, no, 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 there's good, there's bad, there's good reward, there's bad reward. He's omnipresent. It sounds like, like Chris Kringle, Christmas, you know, Santa Claus is omnipresent. He's always there. And it sounds like he's omniscient. He knows everything that's going on. Like he's the one to judge if you're doing good or doing bad. Isn't it so crazy that, that you know that the true theology of Christmas is scandalous? You know that the message of Jesus is scandalous. Meaning what it means is that it's hard to even comprehend in human standards. Can you imagine that they bring Jesus a woman? You've heard this story. This is actually in John chapter 8. You can read it later on. You probably know the story. They bring a woman who's caught in adultery. This is how scandalous the gospel is. This is how scandalous Jesus Jesus is. They bring a woman who's caught in adultery. They bring her, the, chief, the, the priests, the pastors, bring him a woman in the midst of Jesus' teaching. I think it was at the Mount of Olives in, in John chapter 8. He's sitting there just hanging out, teaching. They bring him, the Pharisees bring him a woman and throw her down in front of Jesus and said, we've caught this woman in adultery. To be real honest, the only way you can catch someone in adultery is to be what? Watching. So those men of God had to be trying to find a situation that they could be watching. You better be careful what you're watching. You know, Netflix ain't just such a good friend. I better shut up. I I get in trouble. (laughs) Woo! They They throw this woman in front of Jesus and they say, Hey, the law says, the law says if a woman commits adultery or man that they should what? They should die. They should be stoned. Do you know that it says that murder, if anybody in this room, do you know that there is no, there is no repentance, there is nothing to pay back if someone murders? In biblical understanding, if you murder, you should what? Die. Do you not catch that? 
It doesn't matter if you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Put me in prison for 25 years. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. By the law of the Old Testament, if you kill, you should be killed. There is no sacrifice. There is nothing that you can do. But yet, listen to this. But yet it says that David was a man after God's own what? Heart. And David what? Killed. David killed as in he moved his men to withdraw to where, oh, it's crazy. And then all the man, the man that was serving that David slept with his wife, all of a sudden he dies in battle. And oh, it's just, but at the same time, it's scandalous because to understand what really about grace is. That Christmas is about grace and Christmas is about the Messiah. They bring this woman and they throw her down in front of Jesus. And Jesus is teaching. I don't know about you guys if you're sitting there in the midst. Like if I'm preaching and all of a sudden the door's busted open and somebody gets drug in and they throw this person down. It's like, this person was out front and they were vaping. And all of a sudden it gets really quiet and everybody looks at Pastor Lee and Pastor Lee goes. And they're like, you know, it says that. And let's say it's a teenager. It says that by 21, you have to be 21 to be able to purchase vape. And this person has a vape on them. What uh, you say and everybody's wanting me to go they're looking at me going yeah what do you say what do you say Pastor Lee are you going to say out with the kid never be wanted here ever again or do I say it's okay we all make mistakes and so everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen you know the story throws the lady down and they say hey the law of Moses says that she must be stoned the law came through Moses but it came from God listen how scandalous this is and all of a sudden as they're sitting there going yeah yeah she should die what do you say the crazy thing what Jesus does how scandalous he he actually kind of ignores the situation goes over stoops on the ground And starts writing on the sand. Isn't that crazy? And you would say, you know what's so funny? People would be like, wonder what he wrote. It's based Santa Claus's pants. (laughs) What did he write on the ground? Guess what? No one knows. No one knows. No matter of fact, it doesn't matter what he wrote on the ground. It matters about the person that's going to be either sentenced or let go. Well, he probably wrote the sins of the Pharisees on the ground. Well, who's the accuser of the brethren? You are condemned by you. You hear what I'm saying? It's like when somebody, you know, whenever discipline happens, hey, we're not kicking you out, you kick yourself out. Oh, it's a justice, it's a... No, who knows what he wrote on the ground? Who really cares what he wrote on the ground? He could have been doing tic-tac-toe. He could have been like, no... <laughs> Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, Jesus makes a statement and he says, Who's ever without sin cast the first stone. And it says, all of a sudden, these stones. Can you imagine all these people having some stones? And all of a sudden, they drop their stones. And it says, from the oldest to the young. Actually, the youngest to the oldest. Or no, the oldest to the youngest. Because the oldest people have been around for a long time. They know, well, I've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> and the young ones are like dumb and like, yeah. And everybody leaves. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine this woman who is naked? She was caught in the act. Ding, ding, ding. Probably barely covered. 
She's probably barely even like standing, just hiding there. And she's probably closing her eyes because she doesn't want to, you know, when you close your eyes. Remember being whipped when you were a kid? If you could just close your eyes and wince up and tighten up that it's not going to hurt as bad. And she's probably all balled up with her eyes closed. And can you imagine hearing them stones just dropping? Doom, 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 doom. And then all of a sudden, everybody's gone. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? Just nowhere. Nowhere. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and send some more. How, how, how scandalous. That's scandalous because think about this. It's Jesus. How can Jesus let go a woman who was caught in sin because the law came from God? And how could God... In the flesh, let go someone if he says that they should die. The reason why is because who is Jesus? Jesus is the law wrapped up in flesh. Jesus is the answer for her problem. So he released her because of grace. Isn't that scandalous? Because the law said she should die. So did God tell a lie? No, he didn't tell a lie or change his mind. He sent the one to fulfill what was promised. Isn't that crazy how scandalous? And you might, later on, later on, that should have been amen, because later on you'll be eating lunch and go, oh. You'll be like, what a revelation. That woman should have died. God said she should have died. And all of a sudden, Jesus let her go. How could Jesus let her go? It's because he was the Messiah. He was the one to fulfill the promise, the law. He was the one to let us go. How scandalous. That today, even if you're here and you're in your transgressions, God still loves you. How Preposterous, how crazy. It doesn't even make human. Wait a minute. Uh, Jesus is coming back to town. He sees me when I'm sleeping. He knows when. Wait a minute. He's keeping records wrong. And when I die, he's going to say, You're good. No. He's going to say, Do you know Jesus? It's all about Jesus. It ain't even about how you, well, what you do. Are you saying that I should sin? So grace shall abound? The Bible says, forbid not. That's what Paul said. If you fall in love with Jesus, guess what? You will not want to sin. You will fight against it. And when you fall, you'll say, the Bible says that if I confess my sin, He is faithful and just to forgive me. Jesus, I am so sorry that I messed up. God, you're going to have to help me. That's the greatest thing, is if you just keep asking Him, Jesus, just please help me. That's the greatest thing. If you're here and you're struggling with drug addiction, or you're, you could be, isn't it funny when we always think about addictions, we always alcohol, drugs. You can be here, baby, and you can be struggling with, with a lot of things. You can be struggling. Struggling with even being a hoarder. Do you know that there's an average of one hoarder in the midst of 25 people? So you know there's somebody here because they cannot find their freedom that they hoard. Do you know what a hoarder is? Is when I, I was driving one time down the road and I see this guy in this car and it's packed full what we would classify trash. I mean, it is packed full. You could see barely even see the guy driving and he's thinking it's a normal life. And I'm just looking at just somebody who's just lost and someone who's just bound. That's not freedom. And if you're in an addiction, if you just say, Jesus, please help me and get with a community that loves you, guess what? You're going to find freedom. Jesus is about you. Jesus is about you. God, I'm struggling with this. That's why AA, let me tell you something. Boy, and I'll get on the scripture. I'm, 
I've got to stop meddling on some things. I love those programs. And I'll tell everybody this. When you go to those programs, if it's NA or AA, and you say, hey, my name's Lee and I'm an alcoholic. That's not the truth. You go to one of those programs and you say, my name's Lee. I'm a child of God and I struggle with alcoholism. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not identified. Listen, I am not identified in the problem. I'm identified in Jesus. And when I identify more in Jesus, the more the problem, guess what? Goes away. My name is Lee and I'm a child of God and I suffer from this. Isn't that funny? Because your identity is not in your problem. Your identity is in whom? Jesus. Do you not get it? That's why it's so scandalous. And so what happens is Paul writes something that is just crazy. I challenge you guys in the moments we have. There is five points if you understand the theology about how God came into this world and what real theology of Christmas is. Listen to this in Philippians chapter 2. This is awesome. This is Philippians chapter 2. This is what they call, biblical scholars call this as like one of those, those those, those mysteries, one of those chief mysteries that's in the New Testament that you, I mean, you can study this passage, this portion that we're getting ready to read. We can't even get into the depth of it. If you got in the depth of this, they say it would take to five to six weeks even to scratch the surface. You're like, how can you just use a few scriptures and just barely scratch into the surface? Because that's how crazy this scripture is. Listen to this. Whom being in the very nature of God. This is the reason why Christmas. This is Christmas theology. Whom, this is Philippians in your notes. It's chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider himself equality. Listen, consider equality with God something to be used for his own vantage. So you got to understand this. This is whom, this is blow your mind. This is why we're doing church membership. It's because a lot of times people don't even under basic the, understand basic theology that there is a trinity. There's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, to be honest with you, theologically, is called the Holy Spirit. If you just run around and go, Holy Spirit, like you know Him and He's a partner and He's in your pocket, that is not giving Him honor. It says, the Holy Spirit. Not God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was speaking to me yesterday. No, the Holy Spirit. He holds an office. That's why they're to be respected. That's why God being in the form of whom? Jesus. Jesus came and He is God. Is that not blows your mind? Can you not imagine that? It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three personalities in one. Can you imagine? It's called the mystery. It's called the beautiful Godhead. That will rest of your life until we go to heaven. You will struggle with the Trinity because you're like, why did God pray? Why did Jesus pray in the garden to his father when nobody was around and they were sleeping? Did Jesus have a split personality? No, they were three into one. That's why it's the mystery of the gospel. God himself. This is why it's so scandalous. God so loved the world, just like Vanessa said, that he sent his only begotten son. Jesus is his only son. But yet Jesus, this is crazy, is God. So God just show you how much He loves you because you are going to think like Christmas and Santa Claus that He knows when you're asleep. He knows if you've been bad for good. You better watch out for goodness sake. Blah, 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 blah. And so you live this human world trying to be good knowing that you're bad. Well, God looks upon human nature and knows that there is a fall that happened. And he says that he's going to send his son, which he's going to send him what? His self. Isn't that jack up your theology? You're like, how can God tell himself, but it's his son? You go, this is confusing. It isn't confusing. It's a mystery. So it says that Jesus being that of in the form of God. 
So God himself, to show you how much he loved you, and how you were lost. We were lost in our transgressions. Mean that there was no... Listen, just like he said, if someone kills, he should die. There was no way that we would be able to get back to heaven and back in with God except through whom Jesus, which is in through whom? God. So it says Jesus being the very form of God. Considered... That just because he has that position, that he would not... Listen how, how, how humbling that is to think that there is a deity that would look upon a fallen creation and have every right to judge it and every right to say, you're the one that broke the commandments. You're the one that broke the law. And I was justified and you weren't. Can you imagine? And you think that he's all there about saying you're wrong, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad when God so loved you that he actually took off for one moment he became man he took what he could have held and said i am king of kings i'm lord of lords i am gracious i am glorified and take that in the very nature that jesus being that of what god that meaning that jesus his form who he was was god and all of a sudden he steps out of that to come to what earth to win you back It says being that, listen to that, being that of the very nature. He abandoned his sovereign position. Listen to that. For him being the very nature of God, did not consider it equality, did not consider it equal with God, that something should be used to his advantage. So instead of God using this as an advantage, what did Jesus do? Jesus came and he gave up his own personal authority. Can you imagine that? God himself gave up his own personal authority. I'm telling you, you better study this passage. You'll be like, God himself stepped down from heaven to become like us. He stepped down. He he gave up his authority. He gave, what did he, it says, the scripture says that he emptied himself. You know what he emptied himself of? His glory. Can you imagine being the supreme being and the most ultimate sacrifice that God could do is send His only begotten Son, Son of the Father, to go into the world, to step down from His glory. All of a sudden, He's taking His sovereignty and He's like, okay, I'm not going to use this as a... As a he could have used... Couldn't he have, couldn't he have came as a king? Like a conqueror riding a horse? Couldn't he send a message like an angel? You know, angels are used for messengers. Angels are like, angels are bad. Like we're talking about like bad is in good, not bad, but bad. Like angels are bad. It says that there's two in the Euphrates that they will be released at the end. And you talk about bad. You read your Bible. Angels are bad. You think you go, I'm scared of demons. You better be scared of an angel. (laughs) You better be scared of God. He says, don't, don't be scared or worried about the one who destroys the flesh. Fear the one that destroys the what? The soul. Do you know that God, for you even to call the devil as an enemy to God is an insult? Because there is no equality of God in the devil. To look at him, he's a defeated foe. That's why you remind him. You're not like, he's an enemy to us. But he's a defeated foe for God. Like he's like this high, not even that high compared to God. It's a joke. And the angels are bad. Like couldn't God have done that? But why would he so humbled himself to take 
take into human form to be the one to save back man because it shows the ultimate demonstration of what? Love. So God came and He put His glory to the side and He came in a human's form, lowly and broken to be what? A servant. Can you imagine? He was, this is what's rad. He's fully God, but He's fully man. It's not a half 50-50. You think it's a 50-50. Well, it's all God in in an earth suit. No, it says He's all God and He's man. And he took his glory and he came into human form. Isn't that crazy? To when, when Jesus, he knows everything. He worked a job. You know, he fell asleep. He got so tired that he fell asleep in a boat in a storm. Can you imagine when Mary, when he came and he was in a barn, in a stable, in a nasty place, he came as not a, a conquering king. Through He came as a lowly servant. He came the hardest way you could possibly come to show you that he loves you. Can you imagine Jesus crying, having a bellyache? See, you think he's, he was divine. Like he was raised with Mary and, Mary and Joseph and they had sons. You know, they were half-brothers of Jesus. And all of a sudden, James is like, <coughs> Mom, I'm going to like skip school today because I got a cold. And, and Mary is like, Jesus, get in here and heal your brother. That's a joke. He suffered just like you did. He was tired like you. He was hungry like you. He cried like you when a baby. Can you imagine Joseph going, come on, Jesus, stop crying. Jesus, stop crying. Mary, get in here! And then Mary comes in. Think about that. Isn't that crazy? Because why? He stepped down his divinity. He stepped out to be God and man to understand exactly what it felt like. Because why? Because he loves you. Isn't that crazy? Man, what great scripture. I'm going to hurry up with this. He steps out. Listen, he accepted the servant's place. Actually, the Bible doesn't call things servants. They call a slave. There's no such thing as really a word in the New Testament, Old Testament as a servant. It means that he was a slave. He came and made, he was made nothing. It says he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature. I put servant in there because it's easier for us to digest, but it actually says slave being made in the human likeness. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself a form of a slave. He did not come as a king or a nobleman, but a lowly son of a simple carpenter. He came in the form to where he could understand our frailties. He, what, a great, what a great portrait of love. That there's no, nobody in this room can say, Jesus doesn't know what it's like. It says he was tempted in all things, but what? Was without sin. So you could be here and say, well, Jesus doesn't know what it is to, to, to feel like, an, like you're ready to die. Oh, yes, he did. Well, Jesus doesn't know what it feels like to have loss. Yes, he does. Well, you don't understand. What about temptation? What about, did did Jesus ever have a a temptation of suicide? I don't think he ever had a temptation of suicide. It said that the Satan, that it said the tempter took him up to a high place and said, cast yourself off and the angels will catch you. And remember what Jesus said. It even says that Jesus, God himself, that the word was with God and the word is God. Guess who's the word? Jesus. Isn't that crazy? 
that he, he became a servant. Jesus associated with sinful people. Listen to this. It said he made himself human likeness and being found in appearance of man. He humbled himself to become obedient even unto death of the cross. The Bible says, listen, it says that his visage was marred. Do you know that it said that he was not one to be looked upon? Do you know that he was the average person? Do you know that he made himself so lowly that you wouldn't even have recognized him? What? He wouldn't have looked GQ? No. He wouldn't have floated over the ground or had a halo. Exus promise. Hello, children. He wouldn't have talked with the English accent. Why have you brought this woman unto me? Thus saith the Lord. He wouldn't have talked that way. He would have been an average Jewish man that you would probably even look. He wouldn't have been like the Last Supper where he's standing as a central figure and everybody's like, oh, there's Jesus. It says that he came as like a mystery. He came the lowest of the low to be a servant to show you today how much he loved you. That he laid down his deity. He laid down his glory. He laid down his sovereignty to be wrapped in human form. To come lowly as a slave. To come to die on the cross. It says that even unto death. Why? Because it says that because of your sin and my sin. That he became sin so we could become the righteousness of God. Why was Jesus born? Was He was to step down from heaven. For God to be wrapped in human flesh. To become our only sacrifice. Our only sinful, sinless sacrifice for a sinful people. The one and last. The reason you did Seder, it was almost like a Seder meal this morning. You took of the bread, you took of the blood because he's what? The spotless lamb to take away the sins of the world. He actually paid. The Bible talks about he paid for your penalty. The Bible says that he what? He he paid your ransom for for a debt that you owed. That you would have never been able to pay. Goes on and I'm finishing this. Listen, Jesus associated with sinful people. And the last one, because of time, listen to this. Jesus adopted a selfish posture. And it says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death on the cross. Now listen to this. That in the name of Jesus, listen how awesome this is. It says, why did he die on the cross? Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Listen to this. Isn't that crazy? He comes as a servant, showing you how much he loves you. And then all of a sudden he dies on the cross for your sins. And it says, therefore, this is the greatest, one of the greatest passages. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth. That's the reason for Christmas, baby. And underneath the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory. Listen to this, to the glory of God the Father. Isn't it crazy that how it starts? Listen, it started with Jesus is God. That's how it starts. And guess how it ends? Jesus is the Lord. That's what the reason for Christmas is. That through Him coming in human form, knowing that He was going to die, just like Pastor Vanessa said, He came because He came so He could die. And He came so you could, be, you could live. Listen to this. Jesus didn't come to make good people bad or bad people good. Jesus came to make good people live or bad people live. I got it all backwards. So Jesus didn't come to this earth to make bad people good. 
Because that's what we think. That's why we have Santa Claus is coming. If you do good, you're going to be good. You know, Jesus came to make actually dead people live. That's what it is. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Because the Bible said you were dead in your transgressions. Thank you, Jesus. Ain't that something amazing? That's the reason for the season. That he came and he came as a servant to show you how much you're loved. Amen. Let's stand up in closing. Father, we just thank you for today. We just thank you for Christmas, Jesus. We just thank you for that, the awesome sacrifice you made, Father, for all of us. I thank you for everybody that's here. Father, I think you are the reason for the season. God, I want to thank you for stepping down, that you came down. You came down to this earth to understand what we go through, that you wrapped yourself in flesh, that you dwelled among a sinful people. And that is scandalous. That is so crazy that that grace could be given to us today, that that grace, it's not that you're mad. It's that you just love so good. It's it's just love. It has nothing to do with bad and good. It has all to do with good, which is you. You are good. And that your grace is, is ever always here your grace is an ever 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 present your love is an ever presence in a time of need your mercy is here father i just thank you for that lord that you're not mad at people that you're just trying to be in their lives god but there is a judgment over sin and there is a price to pay and that is sin and we even this morning before uh communion there was some talk about it and that sin even sin separates us And God so loved the world that he did send his only begotten son. And if you're here this morning, and as we we prayed, we're a great family of believers. And it's just basically how you become a member of a family is just acknowledging that there is a father. And our heavenly father loves us with an everlasting love. And it's not built on what you do. It's built on accepting him as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today, listen to me. If you're here today and you've never made that opportunity, you've never made an opportunity to ask Jesus into your life. It's not by a prayer. It's just by a position of the heart that he didn't come again to make you good. He came to make you alive. And if you're here today and you just would say, I'm dead in my transgressions and I I don't feel alive at all. And if that's you, I just want you to simply raise your hand. If that's you, if that's you this morning, amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. 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 Jesus, I just thank you for this service this morning. Father, I just thank you for the hands it raised. Father, I thank you that it's a position of the heart. And Father, we just thank you for doing everything that you're doing in our lives. And Father, I thank you for the grace that you give us. In Jesus' name. Everybody look at me before you're dismissed. If you raised your hand, Pastor Mark's down here. And if you raised your hand for salvation, it's, you know, again, it's not built on the prayer. There were some hands raised. It's not built on the prayer that saves you, but it's built on the position of your heart. It's, it's towards your heart towards home, your heart towards Jesus. And if you raised your hand, I'm going to challenge you before you leave. It's just to step down there and say, hey, I raised my hand. And can you just pray with me in commitment? Amen. We love you and we'll see you not next year, next Sunday. Amen.
Almost forgot. We've got some books in the back. Oh yeah, I forgot. You guys listen up. We have books in the back. We want to give you some stacks of books. If you're a reader, grab you a stack of books, one per family. There was a a person, actually Vic, I'll go ahead and say Vic gave us those books in the back and made some stacks. And so you guys grab a stack of books before you leave. If you're a reader, one pack per family, one stack per family. We love you guys.